Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about vasculitis. And you can find written notes on vasculitis at zerodefinals.com slash vasculitis or in the rheumatology section of the Zero to Finals medicine book. So let's get straight into it. Vasculitis is the name for inflammation of the blood vessels. And there are many different types of vasculitis that affect different sizes of blood vessel. They're categorized based on whether they affect small vessels, medium-sized vessels, or large vessels. They each have some unique features that will help you to spot them in the exams. So let's talk about the different vasculitises that affect different sizes of vessels, and we'll start with the vasculitis that affects small vessels. And there's four ones to remember. The first is henoxonaline purpura, or HSP. The second is eosinophilic granulomatosis with polyangitis, which is commonly known as Churg-Strauss syndrome. The third is microscopic polyangitis. And the fourth is granulomatosis with polyangitis, which is also known as Wegener's granulomatosis. Next, let's talk about the three types of vasculitis that affect medium-sized vessels. The first is polyarteritis nodosa. The second is eosinophilic granulomatosis with polyangitis, which you'll remember is also a small vessel vasculitis that's commonly known as Churg-Strauss syndrome. And the third medium-sized vasculitis is Kawasaki disease. Then there's two types of vasculitis that affect the large vessels. The first is giant cell arteritis, and the second is Takayatsu's arteritis. So I've listed a number of vasculitises there, and it can be very difficult to remember these on their own. However, we'll go through each one of them individually with some key features to help you remember them. But let's start with, how does vasculitis present? Well, there's some generic features that apply to most types of vasculitis. There's also some features that are more specific to individual types, and we'll discuss those a bit later. The things that should make you think about whether a patient has a possible vasculitis are purpura, which are purple-coloured non-blanching spots caused by blood leaking from the vessels underneath the skin. So this is a specific type of non-blanching rash, and this should make you think about vasculitis. Joint and muscle pains can be associated with vasculitis, as well as things like peripheral neuropathy, renal impairment, gastrointestinal disturbance like diarrhea, abdominal pain and bleeding, anterior uveitis and scleritis, so inflammation in the eye, and also hypertension can be a sign of vasculitis. There's also a number of systemic manifestations of vasculitis relating to inflammation throughout the body, and these are fatigue, fever, weight loss, anorexia or loss of appetite, and anemia. So what tests can we do for vasculitis? Well firstly you can test for inflammatory markers like CRP and ESR and these are usually raised if a patient has vasculitis because of the inflammation in the blood vessels. The blood test to remember that is specific to vasculitis is antineutrophil cytoplasmic antibodies. But remember the shortened version, which is ANCA, A-N-C-A. 
If you remember this alone, you'll be able to answer a lot of the questions on vasculitis in your exams. For more detail, which probably won't come up in your exams, there are two types of anchor blood test, P-anchor and C-anchor. P-anchor is also called anti-PR3 antibodies, and these tend to be associated with microscopic polyangitis and Churg-Strauss syndrome. C-anchor is also referred to as anti-MPO antibodies, and these are associated mostly with Wegener's granulomatosis. So before we talk about specific types, let's talk about the generic management of vasculitis. Vasculitis is quite tricky to manage, and it will depend on the type of the vasculitis. So suspected cases should be referred to a specialist, usually a rheumatologist, who will be able to guide the diagnosis and management. Treatment usually involves a combination of steroids and immunosuppressant medications. Steroids could be administered to target the area specifically, or they could be systemic steroids like oral prednisolone or intravenous hydrocortisone. So we could be using nasal sprays to target nasal symptoms or inhaled steroids for when the lung is involved, for example in Churg-Strauss syndrome. Some immunosuppressant medications that are used include cyclophosphamide, methotrexate, azathioprine and rituximab as well as other monoclonal antibodies. The management of Henoch-Shanlin purpura or HSP and Kawasaki disease which are the main types that affect children is very different so we'll talk about those separately. So let's start with talking about Henoch-Shanlin purpura or HSP. HSP is an IgA vasculitis that commonly presents with a purpuric rash affecting the lower limbs and buttocks in children. So this is a type of non-blanching rash caused by bleeding underneath the skin and it affects the lower limbs and buttocks. The inflammation in the blood vessel occurs due to immunoglobulin A deposits in the blood vessel walls of the affected organs such as the skin, the kidneys and the gastrointestinal tract. The condition is often triggered by an upper airway infection such as tonsillitis or a gastroenteritis. It's most common in children under the age of 10 years old. The rash is caused by inflammation and leakage of blood from small vessels underneath the skin which forms these small purplish spots that don't blanch that are called purpura. The four classic features of HSP are purpura which occurs in more or less 100% of patients, joint pain, which occurs in about 75% of patients, abdominal pain, which occurs in about 50% of patients, and renal impairment, which also occurs in about 50% of patients. When it affects the kidneys, it's caused by an IgA nephritis. So this is where IgA deposits in the kidneys cause inflammation of the kidneys and reduce kidney function. Management of the condition is typically supportive with simple analgesia like paracetamol as well as rest and proper hydration and the benefits of using steroids are quite unclear. When patients have abdominal pain this usually settles after a few days. Patients without kidney impairment can expect to have a full recovery usually within four to six weeks. Around a third of patients will have a recurrence of the disease within six months. 
and about 1% of patients will go on to develop end-stage renal failure, which is the main complication of the condition. It's also worth noting if you have a child under the age of 10 with a non-blanching rash, the first priority is to make sure they don't have meningococcal septicemia, so they'll need to be treated for presumed sepsis until sepsis have been excluded, as that's a potentially life-threatening cause of a non-blanching rash in a child. Next, let's talk about Churg-Strauss syndrome, which remember is eosinophilic granulomatosis with polyangitis. This is a type of vasculitis that affects the small and medium vessels. It's most associated with lung and skin problems, but it can affect other organs like the kidneys. It often presents with severe asthma in teenage years or adulthood. And a characteristic finding is elevated eosinophil levels on the full blood count. Next, let's talk about microscopic polyangitis. Microscopic polyangitis affects the small vessels, so it's a small vessel vasculitis, and the main feature is renal failure. It can also affect the lungs and cause shortness of breath and hemoptysis. Next, let's talk about granulomatosis with polyangitis, which is often referred to as Wegener's granulomatosis. And this is a type of vasculitis that affects the small vessels. The organs that are most commonly affected are the respiratory tract and the kidneys. In the upper respiratory tract, it commonly affects the nose and causes nosebleeds, which we call epistaxis, and it also causes crusty nasal secretions. It can affect the ears, causing hearing loss, and the sinuses, causing sinusitis. So a classic sign in the exams is a saddle-shaped nose due to perforation of the nasal septum. This causes a dip halfway down the nose. In the lungs, it causes a cough, wheeze and hemoptysis. A chest x-ray might show a consolidation and it may be misdiagnosed as pneumonia at first, but then when it doesn't respond to antibiotics, people will start thinking about vagueness granulomatosis. In the kidneys, it causes a rapidly progressing glomerulonephritis. So a quick Tom tip it's worth remembering Wegener's granulomatosis for your exams in patients who have nose symptoms, chest symptoms and rapidly progressing glomerulonephritis. So think about Wegener's granulomatosis if someone's having nosebleeds, crusty nasal secretions, kidney failure and a cough with wheeze and hemoptysis. Next let's talk about polyarteritis nodosa and this is a medium vessel vasculitis. It's most associated with hepatitis B, but it can also occur without a clear cause or with hepatitis C or HIV. It affects the medium-sized vessels in locations like the skin, gastrointestinal tract, kidneys and the heart, and it can cause renal impairment, strokes and myocardial infarction. It's also associated with a rash called levido reticularis, which is a mottled, purplish, lace-like rash. And the other place where you might come across the same rash is in antiphospholipid syndrome. Next, let's talk about Kawasaki disease. Kawasaki disease is a medium vessel vasculitis that affects young children, typically under the age of five years old. There's no clear cause for Kawasaki disease. The clinical features are a persistent fever that lasts more than five days long. So if a child has a fever for more than five days, and no clear cause, then think about Kawasaki disease. 
Other clinical features are an erythematous rash, bilateral conjunctivitis, erythema and desquamation or skin peeling on the palms and the soles of the feet, and something called a strawberry tongue, which can come up in your exams. And this is a red swollen tongue with prominent papilla. So it's got small white raised spots on a red tongue. So it looks a bit like a strawberry. The key complication to remember for Kawasaki disease is coronary artery aneurysms. Treatment of the condition is with aspirin and IV immunoglobulins. The final vasculitis that we're going to talk about is Takiatsu's arteritis. And this is a form of large vessel vasculitis. It mainly affects the aorta and its branches. And it also affects the pulmonary arteries, so the arteries inside the lungs. These large vessels and their branches can swell up and form aneurysms, or they can become narrowed and blocked. And the other name for this condition is pulseless disease, because when the arteries become narrowed and blocked, there can be no blood flow through those arteries at all, which can lead to a pulseless limb. Takiyatsu's arteritis usually presents before the age of 40 years old with non-specific systemic symptoms like fever, malaise and muscle aches or it can be more specific with symptoms of arm claudication or syncope and arm claudication would be where as they use their arm the muscles become more and more painful and achy to establish a diagnosis you'd use a CT or an MRI angiography so putting contrast into the arteries and taking a CT or an MRI scan to look at the outline of those arteries a Doppler ultrasound of the carotids can also be useful in detecting carotid disease. So thanks for listening to this episode on vasculitis. A big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing this podcast. It wouldn't be possible to maintain it without his hard work and reliability. If you found this podcast helpful and you want written notes on this topic, as well as all the other topics, head over to Amazon and pick up a copy of the Zero to Finals Medicine book. It's designed specifically to contain the key facts and guidelines you need for your medical exams. And if you don't pick up a copy of the book, you can find all the notes as well as videos, illustrations and questions completely free on the website at zerotofinals.com. And I hope you tune in for the next episode, which will be on Beshit's disease.